Okay. I think everything is clear. I mean, it's set up for you to uh, smoke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll we'll uh, we'll have a break. Uh, five past five past two. Uh, two. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Go ahead. Um, I'm developing this uh, material um, for other events as, as well, so I'll, I'll dip into it here and there. We won't cover everything. I'll skip some slides. Um, but it is based on an article in the recent uh, edition of Theophilos, which is published out of Numicon. Mm -hmm. So I have an article in there, and I've emailed a copy of this article to Björn. Yes. Uh, so you can all get uh, a free copy of the article without having to subscribe to the journal uh, if you want to go into great if you want if this interests you and wanted to go into more detail I'm particularly concerned here we were talking earlier about uh, the true and the good and the beautiful and I'm particularly concerned to to show how the the ideas at the worldview level uh, have ramifications play out uh, in the arts, in culture at large, as part of that sort of cultural analysis, uh, how that links to the worldviews, and to um, sort of, in a sense, mount an apologetic argument through this that says, once you have given up on the idea of God, the foundation of your worldview, which is what uh, modernism does, it very much tries to give up on the idea of God whilst trying to retain a lot of the ideas and values that a pre-modern Christian theistic worldview built upon God. Uh, and this is very much what, again, Friedrich Nietzsche kind of said. That once you get rid of God, actually these things don't be, aren't self-sustaining. The worldview of modernism is inherently uh, unstable and, and fragmentary. And actually the more seriously you take that rejection of God the more it pushes you towards a, a postmodern view, uh, which ultimately, I think, is the same as saying a nihilistic view. Back to, to Nietzsche uh, a, again. Nihilisme. The et of the reckon of James Hyde. James Hyde has a book on Lipsyn, so the et of Lipsyn there. Nihilisme is for over null. There finds a meaning. There is no grunna for et of galt. Nihilism is postmodernism. Premodernism is Christian tro, Gud is Modernism Da, da er det nihilisme, eller fornektelse av alle, alle sannheter. And very much as James Syed does in that book, The, the Universe Next Door, yeah. he illustrates the worldviews using poetry and literary examples and so on. I want to see how those ideas affect the arts and actually give you a feeling mm -hmm. for the worldview. What does it feel like to live inside of these different worldviews, and how, how has that feeling changed uh, over time as culture? Of course, these things all exist, coexist one by one, but culture has, by and large, has sort of had this drift away from its 
foundations in God, which were still there in the medieval to Enlightenment periods, and then modernism and now so-called postmodernism, which we, we may see comes in, in various shades of, of depth. Um, so, I'm going to skip over these two introductory quotes, which just sort of set up the difference between modernism, postmodernism, Nicholas Wolterstorff's quote here, and Augustine in The City of God, talking about the difference between the city of God, the Christian worldview, and everything else. That everything else includes these two fractious warring camps of the modernists and the postmodernists who um, don't agree with each other, although they fundamentally agree in rejecting God. So, a worldview is a, a dwelling place, that's a mental home. And like any home, it, ha- it has a feeling just as much as it has a, an, an architecture. Um, it, they're places where you live in. You get a sense of the person who lives there and so on. And this is in the, the culture of a worldview. Um, a worldview is a fundamental element more broadly speaking, of a spirituality. Um, spirituality is about relationship, about your relationship to everything. And it's really the combination of what you believe to be true and false of reality, your worldview, but also a matter not just of your beliefs, but of your attitudes towards what you believe. Um, not j- your, your emotions, but not just your emotions, your your commitments to things. And that combination of belief and attitude will lead to to action that flow out of the worldview, out of your mind and your heart, into your hands, as it were, uh, to uh, alliterate. Could could, could I have stuff right there? Uh, um, In in Norwegian... um, Faith in the head sense, believe God mm-hmm. is, but doesn't make any difference. The second level, the heart, attitude is, are you committed to God or are you against him? Mm. Are you skeptical? Mm. So, so the other level is more than just intellectual, it's your forhold, relation. Mm. And the third level of trust is what you actually do. Do you live as if God exists? Or, so these three things, yeah. I know that the, the word spirituality doesn't translate very well into Norwegian context as well. We've Whenever I've talked about this before, but hang on to what I said about it. It's a a way of life that's more than just your worldview, but it's also about your commitments and what you do because of that. That's what what I mean. I think everyone basically has a spirituality. 
different, different spiritualities will put different beliefs, different attitudes, different actions. Although there will often be some overlap. But there must be some difference if you're in a, inhabiting a different spirituality. Um, in putting it as faith and works uh, in biblical terms. These things become a, a self-reinforcing loop in a person's life, like rolling a snowball downhill. Um, because you believe and have certain attitudes, you do certain things that reinforce, that build upon your attitudes and your belief, that make them stronger, and so on. Which is why it's very difficult to get people to move from one spirituality to another spirituality. Uh, it takes time, as I was saying earlier. And th- this also links, you remember Krish? He had this tri- uh, triangle saying faith, kind of the intellectual mm-hmm. side alone. You need community and you need action. Mm-hmm. Bringing these together. So, so um, becoming a Christian and growing as a mm-hmm. Christian mm-hmm. need to link these elements together. Yeah, very much. Now, of course, this is I'm reading this in Jesus' answer to the question about the greatest commandment, where he famously talks about loving God with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your strength, referring back to passage in Deuteronomy. Um, so you know, Jesus would put a specifically Christian spin on what spirituality is meant to be and see himself as the gateway, the door, into a forgiven relationship with God, wherein you love him with everything you are, your your head and your heart and your hands and you love your neighbour as well as yourself in that context so it affects all of your relationships relationship with God, with yourself with the world around you, with other people with the environment, with the arts with academia with television, etc. Deuteronomy again you see the same kind of structure um teaching the people so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord, to have an attitude of awe and respect towards God. Learn the law so you respect God and follow the teaching of the law in the Old Testament. You see those three aspects because that's just the way people are built. And once you have that in mind, you see it cropping up all over the place. Now, I think everybody wants their spirituality to be something that helps them to become a more integrated whole person you want a spirituality to be pulling you together as it were so that you have um, integrity as a person but of course it is possible to have a spirituality that pulls you in different directions and we all experience this to some extent because none of us are entirely consistent in our spirituality. Um, and the Christian system, you only have to mention the fact of sin. You know, we believe that certain things are right and that we should do them. And we, we say, I'm committed. I'm committed to doing the right thing. And then you sin. <laughs> and that's uncomfortable because you find yourself being pulled in different directions and a spirituality as you put on the character of Christ and so on is about more and more becoming integrity, wholeness, that your spirituality is consistent all the way through rather than pulling you apart um, and 
Francis Schaeffer's famous point, Schaeffer's famous point really, is that all non-Christian spiritualities have what he called a point of tension, where there's an inconsistency at some aspect or level of that spirituality, whether it's within the, the set of beliefs or between the beliefs and the actions, or the beliefs and the attitudes, or the attitudes and the actions, but there's some point where it doesn't really hold together and it's pulling you in different directions and helping that process that he called taking the roof off of helping people to discover that point of tension to actually come face to face with the reality of that to become dissatisfied with their non-Christian spirituality to open themselves up more to thinking about the possibility of embracing an alternative please yeah nur verklagt haben äh, Francis Schäfer sind apologetische Strategien. Dennoch wie wird ihr nicht Wenn er geht vor der, wie ich gelöst habe, dann geht, so wird Liebe nicht auf etlichen Anpunkt der Konflikt mit sich selbst. Wir tragen vor der Gehe oder vor Kärlehrten, aber wir tragen vor der Gehe, wir tragen vor der Gehe, 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 yeah, so illustrate from the New Atheists. So the New Atheists, on the one hand, say the trouble with religious faith is it's all about believing things without good reason and evidence. Come and join the New Atheists in support of reason and evidence. Okay? And then Richard Dawkins, prime leader of the New Atheist movement, at something like the, the, the self-described reason rally in America, biggest gathering of skeptics and atheists and so on in America, public, Richard Dawkins comes on stage and says, the thing you need to do with these Christian faith heads is ridicule their beliefs. Make fun of them. This is the way to oppose Christianity. But it's not argument. But it's not... Yeah. So, so, so are we committed to reason and argument with people? Or are we committed to ridiculing them and making fun of them? Those don't quite seem to be consistent. Or saying at a worldview level, as Richard Dawkins does, because of my worldview, I can see that a person is just a material system, a selfish gene and all of that. We dance to the music of our DNA. We don't have any free will. Um, but it's really bad of Christians not to, not to live up to their intellectual responsibilities. They really should try harder to live up to their moral obligation to be reasonable and to pay attention to reason and evidence. And by the way, nobody can have any moral responsibilities because no one's responsible because no one has any free will. Or there is no such thing as good and evil in the world. There's just the world, and that is. There's no good, no bad, just pitiless indifference. How evil religion is. What a terrible thing. So, yeah. Between beliefs and actions, within the beliefs, all over the place. So the, the mm -hmm. aim, the, uh, it, it, in Schaeffer's view, it's only a 
Christian who can be a real atheist because God is the person holding everything together. Mm. So a Christian spirituality is actually looking for how to bring these things together, while as an atheist, you're being pulled apart. Spirituality is bringing the reality together so that God holds it together. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I I would say um, Dawkins is probably a very bad example because mm. he is consistently inconsistent. Yes. Mm. Sure. I, I was I was handed a um, an example on a platter. But, there. But <laughs> Harris is also one of the new atheists, mm. a much more consistent. Yes. Um, yeah. But but the, I would. Still say that he he it boils down to the philosophy or understanding philosophy mm. uh, in a uh, in the most basic manner, mm. uh, which is where they all or where, where at least most of them um, really fails. Yeah. 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 So of course. Different people are more or less consistent or inconsistent. And as I said, all of us, to some extent, are inconsistent. Mm -hmm. at, at least at the level of the difference between what we, we say we want to do and what we actually do. You know, um, you say the church is full of hypocrites. Well, come on in, there's room for one more, you know. Um, at least the church is full of hypocrites who recognise that they're hypocrites, as it were. <laughs> That's the... So, yeah... Uh, so Augustine famously said, my, my sin was that I looked for pleasure, beauty, and truth, not in, in God, but in myself and his other creatures. And the search led me instead to pain and confusion and error. That, it, that in, in, in a sense, the biblical analysis of if you, if you get rid of God, you will set some other thing up as an idol that fulfills the same role. You've got to believe certain things. You've got to be committed to certain things. You have to act in the world. Um, but can you... Uh, do that with integrity and consistency as far as a human being is capable of doing within which, which spirituality best uh, encapsulates that desire, as it were. And a culture rises out of a spirituality. If, if, you, have a, if you have shared spirituality, uh, you get the culture of a spirituality, the artistic products of a spirituality, and so on. And like spiritualities, I think cultures are at large either integrative or disintegrative. And I think Christian culture is, in the main, properly followed, etc., with the caveats, integrative, and non-Christians are to uh, a greater extent uh, disintegrative in its spirituality. Uh, if, if, if I had a very radical question there, yeah. I think why should I integrate? Why, should, mm. why can't just life go on? Why, why should I connect my life together? Yeah. Am I nasty? <laughs> this is a big yeah, no, well, this is Nietzsche's. This is back to Nietzsche. Why should I care about truth? Why pay attention to truth? Okay. But the very fact that you've asked me that question. Oops. <laughs> why have you bothered asking that question? What was the point of asking the question? Was it the pursuit of, of truth? Was it 
wanting to justify actually then there's nothing wrong with being inconsistent that, that it's consistent to be inconsistent uh, you try to cover up the fact that actually you do feel uncomfortable with some inconsistency in that I just appeal to you at a personal level do you not find that you do actually desire and want to a greater degree as possible consistency and integration and wholeness and integrity and when you come across people who flout those values, doesn't it just annoy the heck out of you? You know? <laughs> and if that doesn't convince you, then, you know, what is there left but prayer and exorcism? I know. It's like... <laughs> yeah. And worldviews, as the postmodernist philosopher Richard Rorty says often function a little bit like mirrors. They, they reflect our view of ourselves back to us when we articulate uh, a worldview. It's like going up to the mirror in the fable of Snow White. Who's the fairest one of all? What is the really key element of my spirituality? What plays the key foundational role in my worldview and my way of life? And once upon a time, we looked into the pre-modern worldview mirror and it said something like, God is the fairest one of all. He is the maximally great, the maximally beautiful being who created the cosmos and has made humanity in his image only a little lower than the angels. And that's the foundation of the worldview, the spirituality, and thus the shared culture and typical of such a worldview as an example of architecture culturally speaking would be a massive project like Salisbury Cathedral I was there the other week in Salisbury Cathedral close teaching some students and had some time to go around the cathedral in the afternoon and I remember being astonished the first time I went to the cathedral at the size of the place as I drew up in the car park and I looked at the building I thought that's a pretty big building and then you notice the size of the people next to the building, and you go, good grief, that's a pretty big building. For medieval, this is a you know, 13th century building. Uh, it's a Gothic cathedral. Some of the crowning achievements of Western architecture, says David Levin, that more like giant sculptures than just buildings. Every archway, every decoration has a meaning and a purpose. It's, it, this architecture says something uh, to us. It draws our eye up to the heavens. They're using the latest in multimedia technology to communicate the word of God. They've got full colour display images. They have polyphonic, stereophonic surround sound. With the choir over here and over there and over there and over there. They've, you know, etc., etc. Because you've got an audience who can't read. Um, so they're uh, using the latest in science and technology to express the devotion and praise to God as the foundation stone of society. Dr. Emmanuel Paparella says it was the monk's commitment to reading and writing and education that ensured the survival of Western civilization after the fall of the Roman Empire. They laid the foundations for European universities and became a bridge between antiquity 
and modernity. The Indian Christian philosopher Vishal Mangalwadi says the scientific perspective flowered in Europe as an outworking of medieval biblical theology nurtured by the church. The Bible created and underpinned the scientific outlook, the scientific revolution that came thereafter. Another example from Salisbury Cathedral. Salisbury Cathedral is home to what is claimed to be the world's oldest working mechanical clock dating from 14th century, 1380s. And there it is, clicking away. Modern cutting-edge technology. Yeah. In... Uh, Yeah. You you mentioned that a worldview is a little bit like a house. Mm. It has buildings, but it also has a feeling. Mm. If we were to put names on what does it feel like to be in a cathedral? Yeah. Could, could that be a, something to kind of challenge? Well, if you come into a cathedral, mm. what, what does it feel like? Students, I mean, uh, feel mm. yeah? small. You feel small, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah? So something bigger and more important than you are? Yeah. yeah? More things? Yeah. My first word would be the opposite, majestic, but but okay. not in uh, it's a good Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not like the Clairol hair colour advert that says, "Ooh, you're a worm, you're small." It's rather something that says, "God is big." Yeah. <laughs> and because of that, you recognise, "Oh, yeah, God is big, and I am small." <laughs> Have you entered into big cathedrals any time? Yeah? Uh, can you give us more names of, of, of kind of feelings you get when you come into the room? It's, it's majesty, feeling a bit small, more things? Overwhelming. Overwhelming. Pardon? Overwhelming. Mm. Overwhelming? Yeah, it's the real big ones like yeah. Niederostorm and Ambiz. Yeah? Or just some big yeah. Yeah. All of these, I don't, quite can't see in the resolution here, but there's a lot of statues in these little alcoves on the building. They're all life-size statues. Um, so it just goes. It's the tallest spire in in Britain, as well. So what what happened with with tourists when they come into such a church? They change the behaviour, don't they? Mm-hmm. Why? What, what's, what's happening? Because I think that's significant. Mm. Quiet. Yeah. They quiet down. And what, what, what is that? Respect. Yeah? The building, the beauty, mm-hmm. the size, creates a feeling of uh, the same things. Mm-hmm. Respect. You quiet down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't joke. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, your voice is put down. Mm. Yeah. People often talk in, you know, when they sign visitors' books to parish churches and things. For peaceful. Yeah. What a lovely peaceful place. How calm, yeah. serene. Yeah. These are the words that 
people often use about ch old churches in general. That, that is kind of the gift of the Christian worldview as well. Mm. I mean, respect for God and peace and so on inside mm. it. So I think it's important to kind of sense the uh, mm. emotional sides of... Uh, yeah, thank you. We have a worldview where there's the, a, an, an intelligent creator God who creates the world around you. Is that Adam and Eve? This is a medieval painting of Adam and Eve in the garden with God. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and all the creatures and so on. And he has created humanity in his own image. Then humans have a, a reasonable degree of confidence that we can expect to understand something of the nature of God. Because he's got to be like us, but not the same as us, but like us. So we, we, we won't completely understand him we can't kind of think ourselves into God's shoes to see well, what, would it be, what would it be like to be God let me just imagine that for a minute you know any more than as the atheist philosopher Thomas Nagel famously wrote in one paper what would it like to be a bat you know we have no idea what it's like to be a bat you just, <laughs> only bats you know and if there's God God <laughs> presumably knows what it's like to be a bat um but also, that image of God, since God created the world around us, means that we can expect to understand at least something of the nature and the workings of the world around us. Because the way our minds work up here, and the way the world works out there, both come from the same rational, reliable, intelligent, good source. So we'd expect there to be some fit. So you have some confidence that you can do science, for example. Uh, Alvin Plantinga says, modern science uh, arose within the bosom of Christian theism. Science is a shining example of the powers of reason which God has created us. Is a display of the image of God in us human beings. So Christians are committed to taking science with the utmost seriousness. Because we invented the thing because of our worldview. And in such a worldview, and this is Leonardo da Vinci's painting of St. John the Baptist, pointing up to. Uh, culture assumed and pointed to the existence of objective, transcendent, transcendental values. The truth, the goodness, the beauty. The discovered truth, beauty and goodness kind of thing. And of course that, it's not just a, oh that's olden times. It's like, hello, I live in this worldview today. I live in this spirituality, in this culture today. As well as living in a western secular culture. Um, I inhabit both. Um, but modern art, there's a Japanese uh, artist uh, called uh, Makoto Fujimura. Makoto Fujimura. Um, he did a, recently a famous uh, version of the Bible celebrating the 100th anniversary of the King James Bible, where uh, he did an illustrated version of the Bible. Um, and he's a Japanese artist who does modern art 
this, it's you know, fairly abstract art. He uses ancient oriental techniques of painting, like sort of silk painting, gold leaf, expensive materials uh, in his art, but is an explicitly Christian artist. Um, we had a, the picture of the white tree at the beginning on the opening slide was from him as well. Um, that worldview feels like something. And let's, just to finish off talking about pre-modernism before we launch into modernism, post-modernism, let me uh, play you a modern song as well uh, to do a meditation upon this uh, painting. And the name of this painting is Grace Foretold. This is what he is expressing here, Grace Foretold. And I play you a five-minute song from the, the British uh, Celtic sorry, prog rock group, uh, Iona, who do a combination of modern rock music and ancient Celtic spiritual music. And this is from their recent album, and this is uh, an excerpt from their track, An Atmosphere of Miracles, that I want to play to you. Just to just live inside this, you know, we do live inside this worldview, so this is perhaps be more important with audiences that don't. But the way in which art expresses gives you a feeling of, again, that question Bjorn was asking about cathedrals, what's the feeling of this worldview, not just a, what's going on at an intellectual worldview level. Um, I've got the words up there for you for the song as well. But reflect on, on that during, during the break, and when we come back, we'll, we'll do another feedback of the emotions of the worldview. Yeah, that's pre-modernist the theism mm. We'll have a break of ten minutes. Water park, we're back.